Father, we thank you for the time of worship that we've had. God, a chance to just draw close to you by singing your praises, by lifting up the name above every other name. And Lord, I just thank you, God, for allowing us to worship you through baptism. God, how we've gotten to just be a part of the fact that these lives, God, have been rescued. And Lord, what a glorious thing that is. And you have done it. And God, you deserve the glory for it. God, but I also know that we can worship you by letting you change our lives. God, by surrendering to your will for our lives, by finding our identity in you. And Lord, I know that we can do that through your word. I know that you can do that through us in your word. So Lord, I pray right now that we would focus in on you. We'd be attentive to what you have to say to us because God, you have chosen to spoke to us through your word. I pray that we never take this time for granted, but it always, always, always resonates within us the importance of what you have said. Father, thank you so much for this precious word. Pray that you're glorified now as you change our lives by the power of your Holy Spirit and the words that you have spoken to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we've been in a, a series lately uh, in Colossians chapter 3, but we're not going to do that today. Um, I felt like it was important because we've got a lot of students here. Uh, some of them went to camp with us. Some of them brought their friends. Some of their friends came to watch them get baptized today. So I thought I would give us a little taste of what we experienced at camp. So this is going to kind of tie in more with the identity series that we did while we were at at camp. So um, I, I just want to share that with you. Uh, one of the things that we tried to figure out you know, while we were at camp is, is it was called identity. So we're trying to figure out who we are, right? And, and, and you know, I mean, some of us, <laughs> I was going to say something kind of funny. I don't know. Maybe I should say this. Maybe I should. So anyway, so um, I'll go ahead and say it anyway. So um, some of us, it almost looks like our identity changes daily. Some of us change our hair color, our hairstyles. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us men, we can't. We can't help the fact that our, our, our hair color changes, right? We just embrace it and we live with it and that's just the way it's going to be. And some of us, we lose our hair and that's okay, you know. But, but there's some of us in this room that it looks like you change your hairstyle so many times that you're in the witness protection program. And you know what I'm talking about. You, you're trying to change your identity all the time and it's like nobody's going to know who I am if I keep changing it up. And uh, yeah, I, I know what you're up to. I, I, I can see right through you. So I know that you, you do that. I, I have... My, my appearance has changed a little bit, admittedly. I don't know what it is. I, I've been trying to convince people, and people aren't listening to me, okay? I've been yelling at people, trying to tell them, listen, you got to hear what's going on with me. My hair is getting curly. I don't know why, y'all. It's, it's been in the past six months. My wife doesn't even believe me. I'm like, you have known me forever. You don't know that my hair used to not be curly, and now that it is, I mean, like, you can see. It, look, y'all, it's getting curly in the front. It's not just because it's a little bit long. I'm talking about it's getting curly. And the only thing I figured out is, is maybe I, I, as I get older, as I spend more time as a pastor, I'm getting a little more stressed out or something, and, and my hair follicles are just like strained. They're like, like that. So the, the hair's like just squeezing through there. It's like, it's like making pasta or something. It's coming out on the other end. It's all swirly, you know? That's the only thing I can figure out that's going. But my hair used to not be curly. Y'all, I'm telling you, it's curly now. It used to not be curly. Some of y'all in high school are going like, yeah, his hair wasn't curly before. I remember that. I, I, I don't know what's exactly going on there, but, but my identity is changing, y'all, apparently. So anyway, if I disappear or something like that, and you know what's going on, is that I've joined the Witness Protection Program. So either that or I'm trying to run away from some of y'all keep trying to contact me on Facebook. One or the other, I don't know what it is. But anyway, so, so we've been trying to figure out who we are, who we are, and one of the big things that that came out of, of youth camp, I think, and it's something we didn't really expect to happen, but there was, 
You know, it's always interesting. You go in with an idea, concept. Keith came up with this great idea of identity, and that was going to be our, our, our series. It's all going to be about figuring out who we are. And, and, and there was this other word that it turns out that, that we, as we identify with Christ, there's this other word that kind of comes into our identity, and that is family. And I think one of the things that we figured out, and our students can attest to this while we were there, is that, 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 that we're a family. That, that when, you, when you have Jesus Christ as the head and you're all members of this one body, that, man, you become a family, don't you? I mean, now, now what's, what's the, the downsides about becoming a family? You've got to accept each other's junk, too, right? You just can't accept all the good parts, you know what I mean? It's like getting married a little bit, right? So you can't just, I'm going to just marry the good parts, you know what I mean? No, it ain't like that. You got to marry the whole person, the past, the present, the future. You got to marry all of that, right? And one of the things that we noticed as a family is that we got some junk. I don't know if you know, if you got, I don't know if you got junk, but I I got junk. And and they noticed on the way down there that sometimes, okay, look, all right. So I told you I get stressed out, all right? And that's the reason my hair follicles are like that, right? So on the way down there, look, I I have this tendency. I hate hate this about myself, but it's, it's who I am. And you guys have had to embrace it, but... I get stressed out about taking y'all somewhere. Like, I just want to make sure people get from point A to point B, and y'all are alive, and you're safe, and you have something to eat. Like, if I can do that, if I can do that, then, then I'm okay. But I get stressed out during that time. And y'all know as well as I do, on Monday, how many people came up to me and said, Kenny, you okay? Are you all right? And one of the things that people like to say to me when, when they, they're trying to tell me I have a bad expression on my face is that, are you tired? I have somebody, every single Sunday, they'll come up and put a sh- hand on my shoulder. they go, hey, brother, you all right? You tired today? Well, I'm not more, any more tired than I am every other day, but obviously my face looks tired. I don't know if I got baggy eyes. I thought about getting some of that surgery, you know, where you get your eyelids cut or something, you know, so you don't look tired all the time. But one of the things y'all figured out on Monday is that I get a little stressed out about getting y'all places, right? Am I right? Yeah, there's some of you like, yeah, he was stressed on Monday. I wasn't as bad on the way back because I had gotten y'all there safely, so I, I was half the way done. So I had to get, get y'all back, and, and, and although we had one just slight emergency room trip, God bless you, Sierra, and I noticed you're not wearing your toenail as a necklace. That's good. Thank you. Um, we did have a toenail loss at youth camp. Uh, that was our only, only fatality was one toenail, so... Um, yeah, that, that, was, that was rough. Um, but anyway, so I, I spent a little bit of time. I could have been at the water park, spent it with Sierra at the, at the doctor's office. But it, you know what? That's, that's kind of stuff that happens on youth camp. And thank goodness everything's good. And that, that toenail's going to grow back. It's going to be more beautiful than it ever was. And I even told Sierra that she gets a 10% discount on all of her pedicures now. So <laughs> Unless she's going to carry She kept it. So unless she carries that one back in and say, y'all paint this too. And she doesn't get that 10% discount. But... Sorry. Y'all, I have to share a little bit of youth camp with y'all. This is what youth camp is like, right? And thank goodness everybody came back safe. I mean, you know, we're all good. We're all in one piece. Um, you ate pretty well while we were there, so that's good. Um, so anyway, so I do get a little bit stressed out, and they figured out that's part of my personality. And, and families like that, you got to love the good days and the bad days, you know? And, and, and that's one of the things we kind of figured out about each other is that we all got stuff going on. But, man, to see these, to see these students... You know, God starts working in their heart, and he starts speaking to them through his word, and, and the Holy Spirit of God is just kind of impressing upon them certain truths, and, and like, just God just keeps revealing himself to them. And what you see, man, 
This, this, is, this is what a family is supposed to look like. What you see is these students, you will see them, one of them will come to the altar. And then there'll be one after another after another. And it's like they can't wait to get down there and pray with their family. They can't wait to get down there and pray with their brothers and sisters in Christ and to carry and share that burden that each other have. And that's what family's all about, right? That's what family's all about. And as we look at our identity and look at who God's called us to be, he really has called us to be one big family, and we're supposed to share that way. That it's not just about following a set of rules and and, and having just the relationship with God. See, God, he's, he's beautiful in this and that, that he doesn't have to use us to impact each other's lives, but he chooses to. He doesn't, have to. he doesn't have to use you to impact you, but what he does is he works through people. And what do they see? They see that, that number one, that, that they need a reliance on God. If he's going to use me completely, that I need to rely on him in order for him to be able to use me completely, right? So they see that. And then when they see, man, they see one of their friends come to this realization of who Christ is. And then it is such a blessing to be a part of that and say, man, God used me as a tool in his hand in order for me to to be part of this whole thing where somebody got brought into eternity forever because I was there and I was allowing myself to be used by God. And and, and that's what did it. And it teaches us this reliance on God, but it also shows us this beautiful picture of love how God can use us and we are able to love each other and we are able to love each other to Christ. And it, it's just amazing how God chooses to do that. It really is. And, and I, I just want to share a quick passage out of Galatians with you this morning. Uh, in Galatians chapter 3, let me give you a little bit of background about the Galatian church. This is a set of churches in this area called Galatia. And uh, it's not Glacier. That's, that's the national park up north. This is Glacia, okay? So anyway, uh, thank you, Don, for laughing at that. But anyway, so... Uh, Galatia is this area in the set of churches, by the way, where they're, where they're just, these guys are, they're, they're Jewish. They used to be Jewish, and now they, they, they become Christian, and they're trying to understand exactly what that looks like, exactly what that means, trying to find their identity. And one of the things that they tend to go back and do is, well, I need to keep all the Jewish laws and all the Jewish ways and all the Jewish customs and traditions in order to be able to, to have a true relationship with God. It's got to be Jesus plus this other stuff. And Paul is writing them. He's like, no, 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 no. You have to find your identity in Christ alone and not all the rules that you keep. That's where you find who you are. That's where you find your identity. You find it in Christ, and Christ is enough. That you don't have to do this other stuff in order to be able to find who God has called you to be. That God has called you to be who you are in Christ. And that's where you're supposed to find it. And you're not supposed to be hanging on to these laws and rules and traditions. Now, the law does serve, serve a purpose, okay? So what we talk about, we talk about the law. We talk about the, the law that, that God has given to his people. It says, this is what you need in order to have life and have it more abundantly. In order to be able to follow me and have a good, tight relationship with me, this is the things you need to do. And it's going to benefit you if you follow these things. Well, what do people take that to mean? They take that to mean, well, if I don't follow that law, then I don't love God. If I don't follow that law, then, then there's no possible way that, that I have a relationship with him because I have broken his law. Well, the reality is that's why God sent Jesus, his son, to make up that gap because we ain't going to be perfect. I don't know if you know that or not. There are sins you know about today that you'll commit tomorrow. Now, let me say this. Let me say this. That does not give you an excuse to sin. That does not give you an excuse to break God's law because this is the purpose of God's law. The purpose of God's law is to show you how much you need God, how much you need a relationship with him. 
Because you look at that standard that God has set. I mean, you say, well, I haven't broken God's law. I haven't really done I haven't killed anybody. I haven't, haven't committed adultery. I haven't done those things. Well, the reality is Jesus says that if you have hatred in your heart, if you hated somebody, then it's just like you've committed murder in your heart. If you've looked on another woman and had lustful intentions or lustful eyes, then you indeed have committed adultery. That's God's standard. And everybody's like, well, I can't hold to that standard. There's no way that I could possibly ever walk every single day around this world and not be mad at somebody. Exactly. Exactly. You can't. That's why you need God. That's why you need him to guide your steps. That's why you need him and you need his sacrifice, his son Jesus, in order that you might be able to obtain the righteousness of God, that you can obtain this standard that God has set out there for us. The whole purpose of the law is to help you realize that you need God. It's not to beat you up. It's not to condemn you. Yes, there are times when we look at the law and we look at the things that we've done to break God's heart and it brings us to tears and it tears our heart wide open. That's true. But it's ultimately not just so that you stay in that place. It's so that you come back to God. So that you realize that, you know what? There's no way I can obtain this standard. You know, I've broken God's law. I've broken his heart. And what I need in order to be able to get back to God is I need God to help me in that. Can you believe that it's all about him? That that's the whole reason? That's the whole purpose? It's not so that you just shed tears. It's not so that you, you, you just are heartbroken. That's not the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law is to make sure that you understand how much you need him. And Paul's just crying out to the Galatian church. He's just screaming to them, man, please listen to me. Listen to me. And here's where we find ourselves in Galatians chapter 3. He, he's kind of wrapping up this little, little passage where he's talking about faith, and he's trying to show them, man, if you're a Christ follower, if you have found your identity in Christ, this is, the, what, this is what it looks like. In Galatians chapter 3, beginning of verse 26, it says this, For you are all children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus, there's nothing else, y'all. There, there's no other way that, that, that you can be a born-again child of God unless you have faith in Jesus Christ. There's not, there's not another thing you can do. There's not another no, bunch of laws you can keep. You can't lock yourself in a basement and, and just feed yourself crackers. There's no way. You, you, you won't be able to handle God's law. You won't be able to handle his standard. But, but you are a child of God if you have faith through Jesus Christ. Now, one of the things that, that, that we talked about uh, on the last night of camp, we said, all right, if you have committed your life to following Jesus Christ and you're completely sold out to him and you want the whole world to know it, then we just gave them this chance to just stand up. We just said, just stand up in front of everybody. I said, just stand up right now. Just stand up. And there were kids just standing up everywhere. I said, I said when you stand up, I said, you've got to stand up alone. But as soon as you stand up, there are going to be people who grab your hand and let you know that even though you're standing up alone, you'll never be alone again. You'll never be alone again. We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves us never alone, right? We've said that a million times in here. You're not alone. You stand up alone, but then you're not alone. And you have friends and family just grabbing your hands and saying, man, I'm here for you. I love you, and I'm here to share this burden with you. And here we see this perfect picture. God says, you are saved through faith. You're a born-again child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. There's no other way. It's all about the faith, and he's trying to just drive this point home to him. And in verse 27, it says, all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. So let me, let me say this. I want you to understand something. The, the baptism part is not what saves you, all right? Some people get that messed up, all right? It's not the baptism part that saves you. 
You, you, don't, you don't get anything special when you, when, you, when you have your baptism, okay? It's the faith that saves you. The baptism is a representation on the outside of what you've done on the inside and the fact that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior and you're part of this body now where Christ is the head. You're part of this family now where we're all believers in Christ, sharing each other's burdens. So this is just a representation on the outside. This is letting the whole world know what you have professed in your heart and with your mouth that Jesus Christ is number one. He says you've been united with Christ through baptism. And he goes on to say, and, and put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Now, how do you put on Christ? Everybody's like, well, does that mean I have to wear a lapel pin with a cross on it? Is that what that means? That's not what that means. That's not how you put on Christ. To put on Christ means that, like I said just a minute ago, when you make him number one in your life, when he is everything, when he has this supreme place in your life and everything else fades into the background, when Christ is number one in your life, then you find your identity in Christ. That's how you put on Christ, is to find your identity in Christ. He says it's like putting on new clothes. Now, a lot of people like to put on new clothes. We had a whole discussion in here about how I like new shirts, and I don't like to wash them before I wear them, and that, that's like maybe a character flaw of mine, but, but I like to wash them while, or wear them while they're still new without having washed them first. So a lot of people are like, I don't know if I need to hug that dude or not. What if somebody tried on that shirt before he wore it and... Willie told me how to handle this, by the way. Y'all want to know what he said? Because I was talking to Willie about, you know, he likes to wear shirts, too, without washing them, too. But uh, he said, you get one from the back of the rack, Kenny. That's how, that's how you do it, man. That way nobody's tried it on. That's how you know it's new and crisp. It's, ain't that right, Willie? You got to get one from the back, can't you? <laughs> so I've learned, man. As a brother in Christ, we're supposed to learn from one another. As iron sharpens iron, I have learned. I got to get from the back. That's how I know. So I can do that. I just need to get from the back. I appreciate that. But this is like putting on new clothes. When you put on new clothes, it's like you got a fresh perspective. It's like everything's different. You, di- you see yourself different, don't you? You, you, see, you see yourself in a new light. You're like, man, this is what I needed. You know, I, I clean up pretty well. You're looking in the mirror going, that's pretty, I need to lose a few pounds. But I, pretty, I, you know, I look better now. You know, Now I put on new clothes. Those old clothes, that's what it was. It wasn't the fact that I'm 20 pounds overweight. It was the fact that those old clothes were making me look fat. That's what it was. But you, you, when you put on Christ, you, found, you find yourself in this new place, this new identity that you, you feel like, man, I'm just different now. And, and there's a lot of these students, man. They came back from camp, and they, they understand that now they have put on Christ, and now things look different. They act different. They talk different. They have a different desire. Now, like when you see one of your friends come to the altar, it's unlikely that you'll just let them sit there. It's more than likely that you're going to come rushing to their side to pray with them. Am I right? You found your identity in Christ now, so now everything looks different, and now you behave different. And now, by the way, you care less about what everybody else thinks. Am I right? You care more about what God thinks. You care more about finding yourself in Christ now and less about what the world thinks of you. That's what it means to put on these new clothes. That's what it means to find yourself in Christ and put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Oh, this is, this, this is where it gets good, y'all. It ain't even got good yet. It says in verse 28, There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, the Jews had a way of, uh, in, in their traditions and the way they acted and the way they behaved, it was like, there's us, we're God's chosen people, 
You know, God made this promise to Abraham that he was going to have descendants as numerous as the stars in heaven. And like, he was going to give him a promised land and all this kind of stuff. We're going to be God's chosen people. And then Christ comes along and he says, yeah, yeah, you're God's chosen people. What you want to understand is that, is that the reason you're God's chosen people is because the Messiah, the one that's going to rescue the whole world, is going to come through your people. And that's the reason you're God's chosen people. You happen to be the generation, the people, the lineage that Christ, the Messiah, is going to come through. That's why you're God's chosen people. Now Paul tells him, okay, there's no difference between you and the people right over the border or the people on the other side of the world you're all the same in Christ Jesus. Once you, once you, once you uh, accept Jesus Christ and once you find your identity in Jesus Christ, then you're all one people and you're not separate. There's not Jews and Gentiles, separate people. There's just one people now. Because think of this. If, if these people were saying that in order to be able to have a relationship with God, what you had to do was have a relationship with Christ and then you had to also keep the Jewish traditions and customs and all that kind of stuff, like how messed up would you be? If you were a Gentile, I'd be like, I don't know what y'all used to do. I don't have a dreidel. I don't know any of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 don't, know, I, I don't know what Hanukkah is, y'all. I mean, like, I don't have any candles. I don't, I don't know what to do, you know? But the good news is, is that Christ came, and what he says is that, that there's no longer Jew and Gentile. Man, you're all one body. Oh, and what he goes on to say is even crazier than that for this day and time, and that is slaves and free people. There's slaves, and then there's free people, and he says, y'all are all the same. And they're like, what? We knew what it was like to be slaves when we were in Egypt, and we were all slaves. We know that we weren't treated like everybody else. He says, aha, you know what it's like to be a slave. He says, no difference between you or the free people. You got a taste of that yourself when you were in Egypt, right? And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. There's no difference. There's no difference between the two. And then he goes on to say something that's also radical in this day and time. He talks about men and women. Men and women. Now, now in the Jewish tradition, like men did everything, and women were pretty much just there to have kids. That's pretty much what they were there. And I'm I'm not being sexist when I'm saying that. I'm telling you that when Jesus was around, this is the way it was perceived, and this is what people thought. And here we see that that Paul's rocking the boat completely. He goes, you know what? There's no difference. You know, Jew, Gentile, slave, free, man, woman, they're all the same. If you find your identity in Christ Jesus, then you don't look at gender anymore. That is not what matters anymore. You have certain roles, yes, you're supposed to play as men and women, and God's Word talks about that all through His Bible. But let me tell you this, that as far as finding your identity in Christ, that you are all the same once you find your identity in Christ and Christ alone. That that's the only place that you can find it. He says there's no difference anymore. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then, he, then he's got to go, he's got to take them back a little bit. So these are Jewish people. These are people that, that really want to keep the Jewish traditions and customs and all that kind of stuff. So he's got he's to bring them back for a little bit. And he says, now remember Abraham. He says, and now that you belong to Christ, you are the ch- true children of Abraham. You are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. This is what he says. He says, used to, it used to be that only Jews, only Jews, Israelites, thought of themselves as Abraham's children. And Paul says, Jesus turned all that on its head. He said, when you, when you think about slaves and free people and Jews and Gentiles and men and women, all being one in Christ Jesus, all finding their identity in Christ Jesus, he said, because you find your identity in Christ Jesus and because Christ 
was, was in the lineage of Abraham, and that was the promise that God gave to Abraham. What did he say? He said, you'll have descendants as numerous as the stars in heaven, and I'm preparing a place for you that you will go, and it's a promised land. Isn't that the same promise that he gives all of his believers? That we all become descendants of Abraham, that we all become one family, that we all have a place that is a, a promised land for us to go to one day, a place where God has called us and he's gone, Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us. And that's the picture that Paul's given here. He says, you want to find your identity, you find it in Christ Jesus. You put on those clothes, you put on Christ, you put on that new person, and you find your identity in Christ and in Christ alone. I told, uh, I told our students, I said, uh, I remember when I found my identity in Christ, and I was nine years old, and I was kind of struggling. It was, it was a tough year for me. I just moved to a brand new town. It was Rainbow City, Alabama. Um, I had to live in a pop-up camper for six weeks while we started school. That's a tough way to start school. Brand new school in a pop-up camper, Right? And our house was being built, so we were living at Nakalula Falls for a little while, and, and it was just it's tough, man. I said, and that's the year. That's the year that I had a birthday party. And I was a new kid in school, and only one person came to my birthday party that year. I mean, I had family there, yeah, but, but as far as friends from school, I only had one person that came to my birthday party. I said, but through that. And that's a sad story, and we... Some of us shared tears because some of us have been in that situation. We had one person come to our birthday party before. But, and that's a sad story. It really is. But here's what I figured out in that same year. I figured out that, you know what, I need to find my identity in Christ. It didn't come from anybody else. I, that, 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 that whole trying to, to, to figure things out on your own, it's not working, man. To try to find joy and peace on my own, to try to get enough friends where I feel like I fit in, it's not working. I just have this emptiness inside of me, and it's eating a hole in me. And, and, and the truth is, is that God put it there. God put it there. God put that, that emptiness in me. And he's put it in everybody. So that they will look and they will try to see that Jesus Christ is the only answer. See, at nine years old, I hadn't committed some kind of grievous sin. I hadn't committed adultery. I hadn't killed anybody. I hadn't done any of these things, you know. So I felt like I was a pretty good person, right? But the reality was is that I was not complete. That there was this giant hole in me and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I, I was trying to figure out what it is I, I'm supposed to do in order to be able to fill that hole. And, and here I was, it, even though I was feeling incomplete, I was in a new place and a different place. And I was feeling even more incomplete because I didn't have a bunch of friends that, that sometimes distracted me from the fact that I was incomplete. By the way, we do that, don't we? We try to surround ourselves with people so that we feel good about ourselves. And we try to feel complete. And the reality is, you're still not complete. Unless you have Jesus Christ, you're not complete. And that's what I figured out. It was uh, a gospel singing that we went to, and the guy was singing. He said, there's not really an altar here or anything, but there's some steps. If you want to come and pray and ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior and let him rescue your soul, you're invited to come. Nine years old, there's probably 25, 30, 50 people in the room, and I walk down there, and I just get on my face, and he actually stopped singing to come down there and pray with me. And finally, finally, this is the realization I came to. And we read this on the last night of camp in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. It says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to, fully, to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. 
See, there's, there's a reality that's floating around in the room right now, and this is, that's this. Some people feel like they're pretty good people. I'm a good person. I must be a born-again child of God if I'm a pretty good person. The reality is, is that when you close your eyes at night and you wonder about who you are, you wonder where you find your identity, you know that it's not complete. You, you know that there's something missing there. And I can tell you right now, as sure as I stand here, whether you're a student or an adult, the only thing that you will find that that fullness of life that's talking about here, the only place that you will find that is in the love of Christ. The fact that he sent his one and only son to die for you so that, so that you could have a relationship with God and the emptiness that's in your life that you feel so deeply so that it could be filled with Christ and with Christ alone. There's a lot of ways that we can try to fill that emptiness, right? There's a lot of ways. Some people result to drugs or alcohol. Some people result to relationships and they try to fill it with the right man or right woman or right, right boy or right girl. And sometimes they incorporate sexual temptation into that or, or sometimes it's just sexual temptation as a whole that takes over and we delve into pornography or things like that to try to fill that emptiness in our life. The reality is you won't find it there. You'll still come out on the other side of that. You'll still come out of it feeling empty and, and like there's something missing and I don't know what it is. I don't know where I can find it. Let me tell you something. If you're looking for that part of your identity that you're missing... You can only find it in the love of Christ. Christ alone is the place. And God knew that about us. He actually created that hole inside of us. He created the law for the purposes of showing us how much we needed him. To show us that we can never meet that standard that he has already met through his son Jesus. He's showing us that. Can you believe that from the very beginning, from the very beginning, when the time that, that, that Eve sinned against God, what did she do? What did, what did she not do? Let's put it that way. She didn't listen to the serpent and see what he said and then go running back to God and say, God, I, he said this, but I don't think that it's right and, and I, I'm not sure about that. Instead, what did she do? She took matters into her own hand. She said, I don't, I, don't need, I don't need to go to him for the answers. I'm going to do it on my own. And what happened on the flip side of that? Emptiness, loneliness, despair, strife, struggle, man against woman. What happened on the other side of it is, is sin. When sin entered the world, so did death, inner sickness, devastation, all the tears, it all entered in the world. Why? Why? Lack of a dependence on God. You wonder sometimes why you feel incomplete. You wonder why you struggle with, with, with all of these things in life that seem to be crushing you. And why? Why? It's because God's showing you that you need Him. That the love of Christ is the only place you'll be able to find the fullness of life. That's the only place. You're looking for something to be able to help you through those struggles, to, to help you through that sin, to help you through that addiction, whatever the case may be. If you want to experience the power of God, it says right there. It says right there. The love of Christ. Then you will be, able to be made complete in all the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. You're looking for strength that you don't have on your own. It can only be found through the one and only God who created you. I'm not sure where you are today in your life and your relationship with God. Maybe you don't have one. And maybe the truth of God has penetrated your heart. You're invited to come. You're, you're invited to come and say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. I know that I can't do it on my own. I feel incomplete. And I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to make it till tomorrow. You're invited to come and fall down on your face before him. 
and just ask. Just ask. Do what Eve didn't do. Just ask. And then today, maybe you're a Christ follower. And you just feel weak and empty and alone. And you don't know what's going on. And maybe there's something in your life that doesn't need to be there. Or maybe just circumstances of life. When sin entered the world, so did death and sickness and illness and all those kinds of things come into the world. And it devastates us each and every day. Maybe you've got relationships that are broken. Things are not going well in your family. Maybe you just need to come and pray and just fall into the arms of Jesus and say, God, I need you. You see, the whole purpose, everything that we learned this week was all about a dependence on God. And through that, we found our identity, right? We found that our identity can only be found in Christ. That's where we find our source of strength. That's where we find the fullness of life, is in Christ and his love. Let me pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for this precious word. Lord, for those that are struggling, I pray that they would come, that you're a good and gracious God, full of love and mercy. And Lord, you want a relationship with them. And God, you want them to depend on you. Even those that have a relationship, you just want them to depend on you. So Lord, I pray that today we would recognize that we need you. Above everything else, all the other things that we try to put in our life to fill that hole, God, we need you and we need you alone. God, and if we do that, if we truly have faith in you, if we trust in you, then God, we have a new family. God, that once we put our faith in you, that we not only have a family and a body of believers, but we have the Holy Spirit because the faith that saves is never alone, God. It's never alone. You give us your Holy Spirit as a promise, as a seal to the day of redemption, that, God, you are with us. Some people need that promise today. Lord, I just pray that your people would respond to you. As you have spoken clearly to their hearts, as your Holy Spirit has, has moved in this place, and, God, You alone have the power to speak to hearts. I have no ability to do that. So, Lord, you continue to speak. I pray that we're obedient to you, however you challenge us. In Jesus' name, amen. Would everyone please stand?